It's Sue Bidstrup with the Great Big Yes podcast. I am so glad you're here. I took a couple weeks off to enjoy the 4th of July. I hope you are having a beautiful summer. Today I speak with Amber Newberry on the podcast. And you guys know that I talk to people here who have said yes to a greater calling in their lives. People who are living with passion and purpose and making a difference in the world. And Amber is doing that. And I love just the way she tells her story here. It's a beautiful story of redemption. We touch on a lot of tough topics here. Um, so it may not be the best one to have your kids in the car um, if you're driving around, but by all means, it's a really important conversation and I know it is gonna bless many. I love the vision that she has for um, what God is calling her into and the way that he has just redeemed her and set her free and healed her. And it's just so, so good. So um, welcome, I'm glad you're here. And um, here's Amber. All right. So, hi, Amber. How are you? Hi, Sue. Good. How are you? I'm good. I am so glad you're here. I have to tell you, I um, when I saw that Jamie Ivey was having you on her podcast, I was like, what? I know her. And um, so I was so <laughs> excited to see that. And I have to also tell you that um, I've talked to a few people who found out about holy yoga through you being on Jamie Ivey's podcast. So really? Yes. Very, very (laughs) exciting. They had never heard of it before and were really excited to discover there was such a thing as holy yoga. So that's That is exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So for the listeners who maybe don't know um, you, Amber, would you mind just kind of introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are? Sure. Um, So my name is Amber Newberry. I live in the mountains of southern Colorado, and I have been married for 12 years, and we have four kids who are about to go into fourth grade, third grade, second grade, and kindergarten. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. So, yeah, right? (laughs) You're busy, and I love, and just for all the moms of young kids out there, I love that, like, when I first called you, you were like, yeah, can't talk yet, got to get the kids settled, got to get them on their screen time. Yeah, yeah. Got to turn on the Xbox. Yes, that is what I'm doing. (laughs) Right? But isn't it cool that... That's how you do it. Yes, and we have all these tools now. I remember my mom saying when she saw we were taking a road trip for like 24 hours and we were like, oh, it's no big deal because they just watch TV the whole time. And she's like, we never had that. I know, right? Yeah. I remember one big road trip, my sister and I, like we're braiding each other's hair uh-huh. and we got wherever we were going. And my mom was like, oh my God. We had like this tied knot yeah. basically in each other's <laughs> hair. Right. You were so bored. The whole road trip. <laughs> Right. We were playing the um, license plate game all the time. And I can just imagine if I said, let's play the license plate game. You know where you, my kids would be like, are you kidding me? Like, no. What? <laughs> so lame. So lame. All right. So, um, that is so funny. Awesome. So your kids and you're married and you're in Colorado, which sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you're also a holy yoga instructor and you do oils. Can I you am. tell us about what you do? Yeah. Um, so I am a holy yoga instructor. I teach three or four classes a week, um, kind of depending on weather, because one of them is an outdoor class. Um, awesome. And man, I love, I love, love being a holy yoga instructor. Um, I got my certification last May, so I've only been doing it about a year, but it's changed my life. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, I also do uh, essential oils. I 
um, have a business to begin living essential oils. And um, I run a ministry called Beautiful and Beloved. And so Beautiful and Beloved started about three years ago um, when I really learned about human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And I had this really strong desire to um, just speak life and truth and um, belovedness over survivors of trafficking. That is where my heart was really broken. What really pulled me was the thought of these women facing such incredible tragedy yeah. and then being set free. But like, how do you live in freedom when you've spent your whole life being told that you were less than human, that you were worthless? Right. And um, so it started as a boutique where I sold like their handmade goods so that we could show them that they're valuable and that um, that they mattered and that the works of their hands mattered. And then um, I kind of went through this big life transition. I had some really tragic things happen in my life, which opened up a bunch of other really traumatic, tragic circumstances from my past. And I got really, really sick. Mm. And um, my body just was shutting down. Like I had shingles. I wow. got diagnosed with like six autoimmune diseases. <laughs> like I just was a mess. And, um, and then I found holy yoga and I found oils and I found meditation Yeah. and I found healing prayer. And, um, I kind of started walking this really amazing, beautiful, redemptive healing journey. And I realized that the work I was doing with beautiful and beloved, while it was important and it was nice and it was lovely to support these survivors in this way, but that every woman that I locked eyes with was a survivor of some sort of trauma and everybody was just trying to make it the way I had just been trying to make it and that there was real healing and there was real, um, there was just a real way that you could get to a place of believing you're beautiful and beloved and walk in freedom. And um, I could not go like overseas and (laughs) work with all the women (laughs) over there and be like, Right. In all the different countries grabbing their faces saying, oh, do this yoga, and this, you know, but yeah. I could in my own neighborhood. So while I still do some of the things um, from the boutique, like we have these really amazing scarves from Nepal. Yes, I saw um, those. They're beautiful. I saw them on your website. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And whole yoga actually carries them too. Yeah. And so they're made from vintage saris that the women buy in the market, and then they cut them into... Um, these scarves and so it's this beautiful redemption of the material that was a discarded sari and is now a beautiful scarf mm. and redemption for these women who were discarded slaves who now have freedom and beauty in their lives and so I kept those because they're my baby and yeah <laughs> and I like designed them and I it was my idea so like I like I'm super attached to them yeah. <laughs> so everything else we've kind of moved past and I just am really um I'm getting my, I'm doing the whole yoga therapy program this year. Awesome. Um, and the trauma-informed therapy or the trauma-informed program. And just really, I really want to fix my eyes on on every woman and all the women yeah. that I lock eyes with and helping them to see and break free from from the trauma and the things that we've all experienced and we've all lived through. So. 
Yeah. When you yeah. were, thank you for that. When you were just explaining that, when you said that you had this realization that all women have walked through trauma, it made me like, I got all teary because it's so true. And yeah, I think, I don't know what it is, if it's church culture or just maybe our own expectations of ourselves, but sometimes we feel like we have to go do something around the world or something. And it's like, well, I think the Lord for, at least for me has shown me first, Sue, I want to start by healing you. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, yeah. Oh, that's super important. <laughs> right. Because we can't teach what yeah. we don't know. And absolutely. Right. right? So I want to get back to, um, <clears throat> you said that some traumatic things happened in your life and they brought up some traumatic things from your past. And I'm just curious up to that point, had you been kind of I'm doing quotes with my hands here. Have you been kind of, were you kind of faking it? Like, were you kind of like, everything's fine? Or? Uh, well, you know, yeah, I, I kind of was. And I kind of, I was super wrapped up in like always being pregnant and having newborn babies. Okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah. like, um, I got saved later in life. Um, when Let's, I was in my twenties. Yeah, can you tell us um, that story as we're talking about this? Like, how did you find the Lord? Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, so I grew up in church. I I grew up in church. I knew who Jesus was. Um, I missed the whole part about like you get to have a personal relationship with Him and like all those things. But like, like I went to Catholic church, and so they would say at the beginning of the sermons, you know, a letter to us from Paul, right? Right. And I had no idea they were reading the Bible. Right. I grew like, up I grew up I Catholic too. Was... Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, you were like, what? Yeah, I get that. Like I thought like the Catholic Church just had like a in on things. Their own book. You know, and yeah. I Yeah, I just didn't I so I missed out on like a whole bunch of what it meant to really walk with Jesus. So like when I was a teenager my life kind of started falling apart. My faith was like the first thing to kinda Kick the can. Yeah. Um, and then I was we I was with uh, living with my boyfriend in Charleston, South Carolina, and we like got in this weird fight about religion. About yeah. <laughs> he was raised Protestant and I was raised Catholic, and something about the Virgin Mary, and we were like fighting about it. Clearly, like we're living together and sin. Like we're not like yeah. church going folks. But we were in this stupid fight about the Virgin Mary. And we, like, realized that, like, when we went to go find the Bible that we dug out that my dad had given me, yeah. I don't even know when, and um, that we, like, actually didn't know anything. Yeah. And he was like, we should go to church. And I thought he was ridiculous. And that was a silly thing to think. But he was really serious about it. And he started reading his Bible all the time. And, like, he was just always with his nose in the Bible. And wow. he would, like, get on his knees and pray before bed. And I was like, who are you? Yeah. What is happening? And he was like, let's just let's go to church. I really feel like Jesus is calling me back to church. And that was, I was fine. So, Were you bugged <laughs> by like, that? Or were you intrigued by it as well? Or were you like, what are, this is nuts. I was a little bugged by it. To be honest, I was bugged by it in a way that I thought he was going to make me change the way we were living. And I didn't care for that. Yeah. I wanted to just keep on, you know? Yeah. And so we went to this church and it was this incredible church and the music was amazing. And I was kind of a music snob. So like that was important to me. Yeah. 
And this man just, the very first service, he just sat on this stool with like his hand in his pocket and just preached about grace and mercy and love and this Jesus who just forgives everything and loves you so radically that you can't even like wrap your brain around it. And I, then I was intrigued. Yeah. Then I was kind of like, tell me about that a little bit because I don't feel very worthy of that kind of love or grace or redemption or mercy. And so we kept going back. And like the third time we ever went, I went up to the front, I gave my life to Jesus, and we went to like their newcomer's dinner, and I signed up to volunteer for all the things. And I <laughs> you were all in. You were all going in. to all the Bible <laughs> studies. I like, yeah. went in. Yeah, I was hardcore. My sister-in-law always says um, baby Christians are like baby vampires. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like there's like no <laughs> stopping them. They're just like, yes. <laughs> I love that. So but, that was me. Yeah. And then we remember we now it's like you go, okay, that's that's the beginning, but it's about finishing well, right? It's about staying the right. course. Yeah. That's a lot, staying a lot the course. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's, I love that story. And I love that you went to a church and there he was just sharing the gospel, like with love and grace and like just what you needed, right? God was so good to give you that as your Oh experience. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. There was no, like, fire and brimstone and, like, you know, like, he just was this laid-back guy who just sat up there and said the gospel. Like, you know, like, what is really the gospel? And it was amazing. When we moved to Texas, we went to a new church, and I I went for myself for the first time because my husband was like, the truth is you're going to find the church. It's going to be what you want. So figure out kind of where you want to go, and then we'll take the whole family. And so I had gone already, and then I went again, and and he just preached the gospel. He's just such a great teacher, and the way that he did it, and I w- and my family was there. I could not stop weeping. I was just like, "Thank you for mm. taking me to this church, God, right? For like directing oh, my yeah. steps to this door. Like I didn't know what I was doing or where I was going, but um, but God did. So I love." that part of your story. That's awesome. So we were talking about kind of if you were faking it um, along the way, and then I interrupted because I wanted to hear your story. That's okay. (laughs) Right. So then I did all the, I like was like super church girl, right? Like I actually ended up working for that church as the director of their preschool ministry, Yeah, (laughs) which was like funny because I had never like actually read the Bible, you know, but I, yeah. Would, I would get these, they would say, this is the Bible story like you're preaching on today. And I would read it and I would study it. And I would teach it with this like childlike, just love and admiration for Jesus. And the kids just would think I was so ridiculous. Because I would just get up on stage and be like, yeah, that was the most amazing story. Right. And these guys shut up and we shut and it's to go. And they're all like, yeah, that's what I do, child. Like, whatever. <laughs> Yeah. So, like, I was, like, on fire, right? And right. so then we started having kids, and we moved away. My husband's in the military, so we moved to our next place, and it was this really, really little, tiny, small town, and I basically just had babies there. Yeah. Like, I was just always pregnant or yeah. nursing. Well, that or, is a lot you know. right in a row there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's four and five years, so it was a lot, and... Um, that was just my identity kind of came wrapped up in that and my, everything I had went to being a mother and, um, it was like all I did yeah. was motherhood. And so, um, and my husband was gone all the time. And so 
that was it consumed me. Yeah. Um, and then we got moved again, and um, we moved here. We had our fourth baby. His birth was a little traumatic and hard. Mm. Um, we, and my father committed suicide. Oh, um, And I lost a fifth baby at 12 weeks. We miscarried. Uh-huh. Um, and my marriage really, after the four years of focusing not on my marriage at all, it yeah. really just started falling apart. And so it was imploding. And that was when I got really sick. Wow. Yeah. Well, that is a lot of trauma and stress all at one time. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So when, when you started feeling, and, and this all ties into and it's amazing. And you and I talked a little bit about before we started talking, but this could go in so many different directions, but, um, right. right. But this, but the body becoming sick because of the unhealed heart or the mind mm-hmm. and the trauma and just right. the, how everything is so intertwined. Right. And how mm-hmm. I think it's like, sometimes we don't notice our, um, gosh, our mental and our spiritual pain until we have physical pain. Mm, yeah. Right. It's like I, the red I flag. I think you're right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. we don't, it's almost like God's knocking on the door of our heart and we're like, yeah, yeah, yes. Just kind of pushing it aside. And then when we get sick, we we have to take notice. Right. Like I physically couldn't get through a day. I would wake up and I would, you know, get my kids dressed and ready and take them to school or whatever it was and then come home and make lunch. And I would weep through lunch because my body was so tired. And then I would feed my kids lunch and I would lay on the couch and turn on a movie and I would just sleep there while they like played on me for hours until it was time for me to go get my other kids from school. Like, and it was, like that every single day where like I just could, was barely functioning and it wasn't depression. It was a legitimate like failure of my body. When I went finally to a doctor, she said like, you are so anemic that your actual blood cells are changing to try and like find iron. Wow. And like, yeah. So like my body was just literally shutting down and I, and I was just, kind of complacent to it honestly like it took a lot for me to go to the doctor and kind of figure out what was really going on and And it was nice that I had a doctor who sat me down and said hey what's been going on in your life yes I had one of those (laughs) like all this stuff is happening and so yeah and then when I told her she's like yeah that'll mess you up (laughs) yeah now during this time you mentioned that your um husband's military was he gone like was he um deployed or where was was he around No when we were um in the little town we were in when we I had all the babies he was gone okay all the time Um and in the first place we were stationed he was gone all the time too and um but when we were back in Colorado he was home a lot Okay. And um, I think that's a lot of why our marriage really, it was like he was there and all of a sudden it was super obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a lot of problems. Yeah. You know, but like before he hadn't been around. And um, so he was around a lot. Do you feel like when he wasn't around, happening. like you were hiding this from him? Um, I wasn't 
I didn't feel sick when he wasn't around. Okay. I was gotcha. pregnant. I think I was just pressing through, right? Like I was like, yeah, everything yeah. depended on me. I was in charge of everything, yeah. Every, like keeping everybody alive. Like everything was yeah. on my shoulders and I just had to like get up and go. And I was like, now that I know what it is to like be a part of my own body, I realized I was living completely apart from my body. Yes. That like that I was living like a, like a robot, like a shell, you know? Right. Yes. From so myself. Tell me how then you came to healing. Right. So, um, so our marriage was falling apart and my husband and I went to a marriage intensive. Okay. So I started going to a doctor and I got like on medication and things. And she started telling me that I needed to, do yoga and things like that. So yeah. I started going to yoga at the YMCA, which is not very like fulfilling to my soul, but okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> what start. I started doing yeah. and like walking, you know, and then um, my husband and I went to this marriage intensive. It was like a four day long retreat where you live at this people's house. Okay. This couple who are the therapists and they like, literally do therapy with you 24 hours a day for like Wait, four days. Okay. Is it just you and your husband or are there other couples there yeah. too? No, it's just, no, it's just you and your husband and this couple and it's just you. <laughs> wow. That is so brave. Was like, were you it, guys both up for this or was it kind of a struggle to get either of you to go or? Uh, we were both up for it. Okay. We both, we both recognized that we really needed help. Yeah. And so um, part of the, part of the thing, the first, day you're there is they want to know your story and not just like your story like they want you to tell you you they want you to tell them your story from like your grandparents oh. <laughs> like who are your grandparents how did they grow up who are your parents how did they grow up like who are you tell me your earliest memories tell me everything about you wow until this moment in time and so for nine and a half hours I told my story to them wow my husband told his story for eight and a half hours the next day and they said uh, 90% of your healing right now is going to come from telling us your story. Yeah. And they wrote down this amazing man. He wrote down every word, like we said, and then he took our stories and he prayed over them and he found, and he listened to the Holy spirit for a Bible verse that would speak to us and speak to these stories that he had just heard. And so then he came back and read us back our stories and, like in a summary and basically said, here's where I see God working in your life. Here's where I see how he protected you, how he shared for you, how he loved you, how he redeemed you. And then this is the verse I believe that God has for you. Oh, and it was really powerful. Oh my gosh. I'm sitting here crying. That is yeah. so amazing. Yeah, it was really, really powerful. And it was really powerful for me because it um, unlocked a lot of, of what I had been holding on to, like a lot of my um, trauma from being a teenager and a young adult and these feelings of being unlovable and um, of being trash and of being um, worthless and like a slut and like all these things that I really believed about myself, like when I said them out loud, lost a lot of their power over That's me. Right. And it was important for my husband to hear my story he knew my story, but to hear it chronologically like that, like he was very like, oh, oof, right? That is so and then, powerful. 
Yeah. Right. And same for him, like hearing his story, even though I knew it, like hearing it chronologically, I'm like, oh, so when you were 14, like it all went to hell in your basket. And I understand why you make these choices, you know? And yes. so, yeah. And then I had this really good friend who, um, her name's Brandy and she started doing healing prayer with me. And that was really incredible gift and I found holy yoga and that was an incredible incredible gift and the Lord and then oils and like the Lord just kept like presenting me with like these these healing tools and not just like the tools but like the people who could help me use them and so I really just started getting better like like really quickly, like it takes years for you to get to that place, right? Like I've been harboring hurt and trauma for 15 years, but like in the span of about a year, I just was really like finding healing. And when I came actually to holy yoga to like the retreat Mm -hmm. to become an instructor, I was really nervous because I thought, oh, what's going to come up? (laughs) Yeah. For so many years, I've been like the like the one just sobbing in a corner. Yeah, <laughs> and there is nothing wrong with that. And there is like the Holy Spirit is touching you, and you're finding healing. Like that is what happens. But I was really nervous for what else could possibly come up for me that I had not already worked through because I've been working so so hard. Yeah, and at the retreat, I like I I was healed. Like there was. There was nothing that came up. And more than that, there were girls that were there that God brought to me that, like, I got to sit and hold. And I got to sit and pray over. And I got to give, like, his words to, you know. And yeah. um, and then that's when, you know, um, Allison, she's the one who called me a wounded healer. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And it was so amazing. And I was like, yeah, this is like where God is now calling you. Like, this is where he's moving me toward. And my heart was broken for survivors of slavery because I was them. Like, I felt that kind of shame. I felt that kind of, like, de- degradation. Like, I had been treated so badly. Yeah, and I wanted to not get... for years, but for like a day, a day, and like I, yeah. I couldn't come out of it. I couldn't imagine coming out of it for like after years, you know. Right, and I want to get to that. I would love for you just to share that part of your story because I think there's so many women who um, have gone through similar <clears throat> similar challenges, and right. um, that there is healing on the other side. There is freedom, and there is hope. Mm-hmm. Um, would you right. be willing to just kind of yeah. share what you went through as a teenager and a young adult? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So when I was um, when I was fifteen, I was sexually assaulted by a classmate of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and after it happened, he had told me that I could tell, but nobody would believe me. And um, I did tell. I didn't tell any adults. But I told some of our friends what had happened and none of them did believe me. And it actually turned into a very horrible kind of situation at my school because nobody believed me, but it changed the way people looked at me. Yeah. So um, the boys at my school suddenly took liberties with me that they hadn't before. So I would 
um, have my boob grabbed as I walk down the hallway or like they put their hand on my feet if I sit on their hands or, you know, like they just like, like like, really, really disrespectfully like pushing boundaries with me. And it was almost a year and a half later before I finally like just caved, I guess, and decided to just be what they all thought I was anyway. Because it was so painful to spend every day fighting against them. Oh, no. That I just decided to just, like, you all think I'm this slutty girl. Yeah. All I've ever done is kiss a boy. But I'll be it if that's, like, if that will make my life easier. I'll be this girl. And so I did. I just decided to laugh instead of cry when they grabbed me or yeah. tried to kiss me or whatever it was. I decided to just go for it be that and so I was really promiscuous I really believed with all of me that I held no value except for what I was offering these boys in my body Mm. and so you kind of live that way you begin to separate yourself from your body and so um, I was drinking a lot, I was doing a lot of drugs and when I was 19 I was very drunk at a party and I was raped Mm. And uh, about three weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. Mm. Yeah. And so I went, they didn't even, I think I said it, I went and scheduled an abortion mm-hmm. um, just because girls, like I was trash. I really, it had nothing, if you would have asked me then, had I, like, if what had happened had been rape, I would have said no because I really believed I deserved what I got that night. Mm. And second of all, the abortion was because I believed that I was not valuable enough to be passing along my genes. Like, I felt like I was such a piece of trash Mm. that for me to give birth to a baby would, like, be doing the world a disservice. And so I went to the clinic. There were protesters out front. They threw actual pieces of trash at us. As we walked in the door and my best friend was so amazing and she just really, she wanted to support me no matter what I wanted to do. So she was like, do you want to move in here? I'll be a second mom. Like, do you want to go tell your mom? I'll go tell your mom with you. Like, what do you want to do? And so when I said I wanted to have an abortion, she like drove me to the clinic. And when the people were throwing trash at us and screaming at us, she ran out and she screamed right back at them and threw trash right back at them. And she was just like a fierce guardian of me but yeah they really set my resolve that like you see me for what I really am like oh it's so you see me for what I really am like why would you want me to go through with this so I went in and I had an abortion and I just continued to live this really this life that was completely separate from who I knew I was yeah. Um, from who I wanted to be. And um, it wasn't until I found myself at that church <laughs> yeah. many years later that Praise I discovered, God. hey, like I don't actually have to live that way. I'm so sorry that you had to go through all of that. And I do have a question and I find this yeah. kind of timely for myself because my daughters are that age, you know, they're in high school mm. and college and, mm-hmm. and I mean, we were all there at some point and it's, 
it's tricky waters. But did you tell your mom anything about this? No, never. Thank oh. it. Uh, she found out about the abortion uh, like six months after it happened because the medication that they had given me, like I had left in my bedroom because I had come home for the summer and I had left it in my bedroom at her house and she was moving and so she was packing up my stuff and she found it. Okay. And, then and did, so... Yeah, were you able to talk about it with her in a way that was productive? Or? We did. Okay. Yeah, we talked about it a long time actually. Okay. She confessed to me that like she had thought about aborting me when she found out she was pregnant with me and all of these things. Like it really was was really like great conversation that we had. I still didn't tell her. She never knew about um, the sexual assault in high school. Yeah. She never knew about the rape until way later on in life when I when I started finding like healing from it that I started to talk to her about it and tell her about it. And she's like, I can almost probably tell you what day that happened to you because of how you changed. Mm -hmm. But I just thought it was your hormones. I just thought it was me being a teenager. Like I didn't, I didn't know, you know? Oh yeah. From her point of view, that's, I mean, that's interesting now that I'm like the mom. Do you know what I mean? Like I think as teenagers, we feel like we can't, you know, we can hide everything or we can pretend or whatever, but moms are intuitive in so many ways. And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So from all of this, um, I love what you're doing. You had told me a little bit about it and I just want to mention it to people in case they, um, haven't heard of it, but you're working with an organization called Save the Storks. Yeah. Yeah. They're amazing. (laughs) So what is that all about? Because you and I both talked about like, see, what I love is I want to just thank you for sharing that part of your story because I want to talk, I want to have real conversations about real life and not pretend Mm -hmm. that everything is perfect and that none of us have ever had premarital sex and nobody's ever had an abortion or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's, Mm -hmm. we need to get to what is really going on. Um, right. and so I love that you were brave enough and just, just honored us by sharing that story because I really, I think there's this politicizing of the whole thing. And, and you and I both said, we don't even want to talk about that. We don't even want to get into that, but we're more interested in right. really caring for women wherever they are mm-hmm. and whatever their story right. is and just loving them. And, um, so I love that the save the stork sounds like it's doing that. So can you tell us a little bit about kind of what they're doing? Yeah, I love to. So, um, save the Storks is a national nonprofit organization who, um, really they are committed to love and compassion and actions, um, on behalf of women and men and families really all over. And so what they do is they partner with pregnancy resource centers um, and provide already existing pregnancy resource centers with these mobile medical units. And so the mobile medical unit is like this tricked out Mercedes printer van that is so (laughs) nice on the inside. Yeah. It's like, these really plush leather seats and like everything's monograms and it's prettier than any OB office I've ever been in. And I've been in quite a few. (laughs) And they do that so that these women feel really like loved and respected when they come on board. Yeah. And um, they can park anywhere and they don't require a special license to drive. So they're 
basically perfect for this kind of work. And so they go and they park them in front of abortion clinics. And the pregnancy resource center counselors are on board and they, um, as women are coming into abortion clinics, they just offer ultrasounds for their babies. And so if a woman gets on the bus, she receives an ultrasound. It is like surround sound, heartbeat, and then like a big, beautiful screen um, where she can see her baby in high death. And 90% of women who see and hear their babies on an ultrasound will not, will choose life. Really? And yeah, so it's really important. Um, it gets overlooked as something that would be important because yeah. you think that women are like making this choice because like they've got their mindset, but often women going into abortion clinics don't know, don't have, don't feel like they have a choice. They don't feel like they, they, they don't know what's going on inside of them, yeah. you know? And so they get these ultrasounds and then these counselors offer, like tell them what pregnancy resource centers have to offer. And um, they offer the most incredible things. So if you choose to keep your baby, then for the next two years, then you're a partner with this right with this resource center and they'll offer you diapers and formula oh and clothing and great. job training and like clothes for job interviews and help writing your resumes and like helping you like get on your feet awesome. budgeting classes like all sorts of stuff and then if you would like to give your baby up for adoption they'll help you find a family for your baby awesome but the other thing that they do that i love is that if a woman hears all of this and sees her baby and then just still chooses to go into the clinic and has an abortion and she comes back out, she's met by the same counselor who hugs her and loves her mm. and says, here's all the counseling we have to offer you. Here are some support groups you can join. Like, here's what's going to happen to your body now. Yeah. Because you're not prepared for those things. Yeah. After, you know, you think that you've taken care of a problem or whatever it is, whatever your reasoning is yeah. for going in. And you're just not prepared for, like, the actual trauma that is to your body. Right. Like, oh. you know, women who have abortions are more likely to have breast cancer and cervical cancer and all sorts of stuff because of the hormones. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that. But I love that they're yeah. there no matter what. Like. I love, yeah. I love the image of they're staying around and loving you no matter what. Right. No matter what. Yeah. That's like, beautiful. You're not judged. You're not condemned. You're like none of that. And they're not picketing. They're not like out to get you. Right. They just want to love you. And that's what Save the Storks is about. They're just about loving. They just want to love women so radically well that they actually feel like they have a choice. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, that's and awesome. And so... And are they all around yeah. the United States? They are. There are currently 23 mobile medical units okay. in action around the United States. Um, there's 23 more in production. Yeah. Their current goal is to have a mobile medical unit for every abortion clinic, yeah. outside of every abortion clinic. And so that's just how they are um, – that's their model right now of how they're working. And so I go around and I speak on their behalf and um, raise money and mostly donors for that. So um, that's awesome. They see every bus. Yeah. I love it. So, I love that you're doing cool. that. And then I want to give you a chance to talk about um, just all the different ways that 
beautiful and beloved is kind of because I, I noticed you offer online meditations and um, different kinds of things. Like, how can you like what does God's vision that He's given you for this beautiful and beloved? Like all the different things that it's doing. Like, what is the vision? I mean, do you have a, a long term vision for it, or like, <laughs> are we I going do. day I, by day? <laughs> Either way, I is do. Okay. It's, yeah. Well, you know, like, so it's been this, like, gradual kind of change, this gradual kind of movement from being a boutique to, like, being, like, a real place where people can really come for healing um, and things. And so um, we're spending this summer with a lot of content uh, creation, and hopefully in August we'll be coming out um, with, like, a more steady stream of resources for people who are looking for healing. Um, So there are like guided meditations, um, you know, the essential oils, um, hopefully some yoga classes for really getting back into your body. Um, Some breath work exercises that you should do. um, Talking about healing prayer and the way that that can help you rewrite memories so that your body doesn't automatically go into a trauma response yes. when um, it's reminded of something that happened to you in your past and um, so things like that. So, and then as I um, get my, get my license and things like that, I would really like to start working one-on-one um, with survivors of specifically like sexual and domestic violence. Yeah into like how they get back into their bodies and how they begin like a healing process. So I love that. That's really, yeah. Cause we just, I mean, the truth, the most true thing about all of us really is that we are beautiful and beloved, yes. that we are valuable. We are worthy of love and we're worthy of protection and we are worthy of healing. And I want that mm. for for all the women, like for everybody. Yeah. But specifically, I think working with women is where God is calling me. Mm-hmm. And so, um, like, I just want to speak that truth and help people to live that out in their everyday lives. Oh, I love that so much. I mean, just <laughs> yes, great big yes to all of that. And I, I think what's so cool about talking and just having you give an honest answer about kind of you know how it's changed too is I feel like sometimes women might feel a calling from God and then they feel afraid to start because they don't know the finish Mm -hmm. and maybe they don't have the final vision for it but the vision always changes Mm -hmm. right because God's Mm -hmm. always you're changing and you're growing and you're learning and so and I feel like that's I mean I started great big yes like six years ago I had no idea what I was doing and I certainly had never heard of a podcast you know so you, you just kind of roll with it. Like if God's like gives you a right. new idea, you're like, okay, yes, you know. And um, mm-hmm. so I love to see that evolve. And I, I just can't wait to like just keep watching it and, and see where God takes you and just how beautifully he's redeemed your story and how that is just going to yeah. bless so many women. It's so beautiful. Oh, it is so beautiful and it's so incredible. And it's not like just me. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not just, oh, well, he did that for her. Like, it's for all of us. Like, he has redemption for all of us. He has, 
And that redemption is not like restoring things back to what they were. It's making them better. Yes. Like my marriage is better than it has ever, ever, ever been. Praise God. Like we are redeemed, right? Like my life is better than it has ever, ever been because I have healing because he is showing me redemption. And it doesn't mean that, like, that all the pain goes away. You know, there's still pain. I still miss my dad. I still sometimes see a family with five kids and think, oh, that yeah. could have been us. Yep. You know, and that was still, that will still hurt. But, you know, I get to do this. I get to share my story. I get to share what God has done in my life. And I get to hear other women tell me their stories. And often it's the first time they've ever told anybody. Like, yeah. I have so many women who have told me about their abortions who have never even told their husbands. Yeah. And, you know, like the therapist told us that telling your story was going to be 90% of our healing. Like, yeah. you have to tell your story. Yes. You have to get it out. So if I can even just put myself out as a safe place, for people to tell their stories, let them know that I'll hold space there for them, then then that's incredible and really like the most amazing gift. Yeah. And I think what you said earlier when you, you know, once you said it, it wasn't in the dark anymore. Right. And that's, I think that's why they say, you know, we're only as sick as our secrets because we're trying Mm. to put Mm -hmm. forth this perfect front and it's not, possible to heal when we're doing that. So I just appreciate you so much. And I love talking to you and, um, it can go a million different ways, but we have to kind of wrap it up. (laughs) Are you, um, willing to just kind of say a prayer for, um, maybe someone who's listening, who hasn't told her story yet, or, um, has suffered through some of the same struggles? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would love to. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Sue. Thank you for her vision that you've given her, the great big yes, Lord God. Thank you for giving her the courage to step out into the ministry that you provided for her to encourage and empower people to live their big God-sized dreams. Thank you, God, that you can use all of our stories that you can use all of our hearts, you can use all of our pains, that you can take these things, Lord God, and use them for your glory, that you can use them to bring healing and wholeness, that you can bring them to, that you can use them to shine light Mm -hmm. where there's darkness and brokenness, Lord God. I pray that whoever hears our voices, Lord God, that they feel touched by you, that they see and they hear you in us, Lord God, and that they feel and know the truth that they are your beautiful, your beloved, that you care so much for them, that you love them so wildly that there's nothing they could ever do that would ever make them, make you stop loving them. Help them to see the value in their story, Lord God. Help them to see the value in finding healing. Help them to see that they are worth being the best 
versions of themselves mm-hmm. and help them to start now, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, amen. Oh, thank you. That was so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. I just appreciate <laughs> you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me on. That's the first time anyone has ever asked me their prayer on podcast. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that sounds good.